1: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, where you're listening on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT on internet streaming radio and on internet streaming video. You're here with us on Facebook Live on Facebook.com backslash Live Now. DT for the first time ever on the broadcast we have Syracuse and NFL alum Will Allen joining us here a former cornerback inside of the NFL as well as for Syracuse and coming from the community of central New York and he's here on the show with us today so let's bring him in. Will how you doing today?
0: Pretty good my man how you doing?
1: I'm doing well Will and and you know for you I mean, obviously, going throughout uh, you know, your time of playing the sport of football, you know, you know what it did for your life and what it meant to your life. So uh, what can you say about you know, what's going on now with coronavirus and all that? I mean, the fact that some of these kids you know, may not have an opportunity or that opportunity might be shortened or it may be moved. You know, As somebody who got to play out his days in, in the sport of football – what are your thoughts and, and feelings when it comes to the fact that, you know, things are kind of up in the air for the kids in central New York and obviously around the country?
0: Well, I mean, for lack of a better word, I mean, it, it sucks. You know, uh, my son, is uh, he plays college football, and uh, unfortunately, you know, well, not unfortunately, but uh, he plays uh, for, for Columbia, which is the Ivy League. And, you know, as you know, they, they pretty much canceled their season. So for him, being this is his senior year, you know, it's kind of tough. You know, watching them go through that and having to deal with it. Um, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Um, they're not going to take the year from the kids. So, I mean, that's a plus. But I just think just the uncertainty and not being sure when you need to be ready, I guess it, it goes to the notion, you know, you make sure you stay ready so you don't have to get ready, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and that is, I mean, obviously that's a, a great uh, great statement. You know, make sure that, that you're, re- you're always ready so that you don't have to get ready when the time comes. How has your son been dealing with that? And, and not having you know knowing that coming up this season there there will not be an opportunity for him. Obviously, each conference is making their own decisions and kind of handling this instead of so the NBA, NCAA making a, a and kind of a a blanket statement on what's going to happen and blanket legislation. They're essentially uh, letting each conference, at least for now, do what they want to do. How has your son been handling that?
0: Well, I'm sure he hasn't expressed it much, but I'm sure being that he has a gang of friends that are that play for some of the, you know, the major schools. Um, and a lot of those guys, pretty much all those guys are back at their, their prospective schools now training and stuff with the team. But, you know, during the summer and that time off where no one was sure what was going to happen, you know, he was just here working out with all those guys and now all those guys that went back to school and he's still home. So, I'm sure it's tough for him. Um, but the only advice I can give him, you know, is just keep your head your head right, you know, and be ready to go when the time comes.
1: For you, you know, when when you're speaking with your son and, you know, you look at adversity that happens in life, you know, just what can you tell him from what you've learned about life and kind of when when you hit a wall, climbing over that, you know, going through it, whatever you need to do, going under it, however you need to get by it. I mean, what would be your advice uh, to your son and to other people out there that are dealing with adversity right now and, and dealing with, you know, these very interesting times where things are, you know not anywhere near what we're used to not something that we were really necessarily prepared for so what would be words of advice from you will about adversity and, and navigating through adversity
0: well to my son i would just tell him I'm a walking billboard for that <laughs> unfortunately i mean i've been through a lot of a lot of things throughout my life and you know just being able to keep your head straight and you know focus on what's in front of you and not not what's behind you and you know take what you can learn from you know the things that you've you've been, that you've come against, you know, but just in general, just dealing with uh, adversity and, you know, being able to adapt on the fly, I think this whole pandemic and all the things that are going on right now and, you know, watching, like, how the NBA has done, you know, just being able to adapt on the fly and actually making it good, you know, uh, watching some of those games this past weekend was, you know, pretty exciting. I was kind of wondering what it was going to be like to, you know, watch a game without any fans in the stands and stuff like that, but it's been pretty exciting still and, Watching those guys go at it, you know, uh, I think once the whistle blows or that ball's thrown in the air, you know, uh, the competitive juices get flowing, and you know, you really don't worry about it. But in terms of the real world, um, or or more so, you know, the everyday people walking around and you know, going to work and doing that type of stuff, um, I just think when when you're faced with adversity, you know, I think you, you embrace it and you look at it as something that um, you know. What what you're going to benefit and how better you're going to be on the other side or how better prepared you're going to be on the other side or what things you've learned through this that's going to make you just a better person, more productive, you know, better in all aspects of your life. Um, And I think with um, everything that's going on right now, I think that everyone has had to adapt on the fly. And that's something that a lot of people aren't used to or a lot of people aren't comfortable with because it, it requires a little bit of faith know that everything's going to be all right on the other end of this and I think it's just going to help everybody at the end I mean it sucks that we're going through this right now but I think at the end of the day we're going to be better all around.
1: That coming here from Will Allen here on Wake Up Call this morning uh, speaking with Will from Corcoran High School history as well as Syracuse University for the football team and then on to the NFL. Uh, Will what can you say about you know being in central New York and, and playing at Corcoran and you know, just what those days have meant to you with knowing, you know, obviously with with everything we've been talking about here this morning so far, knowing that, you know, kids are just hoping to get back on the field. Some, you know, some of these kids are, you know, never thought in a million years that they had played their last game potentially, or that, you know, things would be where they're at right now. So what can you tell me about Central New York and and Corcoran and, and your days of playing there and maybe some fond memories that you lean on at times when you need to?
0: Um, I definitely have some great memories. Uh, Leo Cosgrove and that whole gang of guys that I played with—you uh, know, uh, there at the Corcoran. I mean, uh, I have a lot of memories, um, and I, I can honestly say all of them are great. You know, even the bad ones are great. I mean, I smile at all of it. Um, but I mean, my time in Central New York has been great, man. I, I can't complain about any of it. I, it was a great time for me, and and I wouldn't change any of it, man. You know, I, I enjoyed myself and. I would say to the kids that are up there right now, and you know, if it was your last game, if it happened to be your last game, you know, be grateful for the time that you had, you know, and look forward to your future and the things you got ahead of you because your future is as bright as you want it to be.
1: That coming here from cornerback alum Will Allen here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning, uh, Will, for you when you look back on your your time at Syracuse, you know, and, and coming from Cortland and going there, we or Corcoran and going there, we we don't get to hear. A lot of that now, and it's something I've talked about a lot on the show, and I've spoken about it with you know players that's obviously came from central and upstate New York like you did. The fact that you know we haven't really seen Syracuse coaches recruit the area, we didn't see it after Paul Pasqualoni. We really didn't see it with Greg Robinson, Doug Marone, Scott Schaefer. We don't see it with Dino Babers right now. What are your thoughts on that? You know, being somebody that came from this community and, you know, probably grew up obviously watching Syracuse and knowing about Syracuse and having family and friends that are wearing orange and blue and going to the games and whatnot. When you had that connection and other players in history had that connection coming from Central and Upstate New York with Syracuse, are you surprised or, or what is your reaction to the fact that the last few coaches have really not recruited the area?
0: Well, I think, I think that's probably a two-sided Question or two-sided answer that, that would go to that question. I think um, number one, it's hard to really even answer that because you don't know the talent or the kids that are around there. Or you don't really. I really can't say what exactly you know Syracuse needs at the time as compared to the kids that are coming out in those those protective years. But um, one of the things is that I know there's a lot of kids that that grow up and kids that grow up there in, in the Syracuse or Central New York area where they just want to get away from home, man. Um, and they're trying to get away from home and trying to get out of the state. So it's it's kind of, it's hard to say, you know, um, what's the reason why, you know, more more kids don't go to Syracuse, you know, from that area. But um, I trust that the coaches there are doing the best they can in recruiting and recruiting the best players that, that they're able to get to bring there. And I would also trust that, you know, the, the kids that are growing up there in Syracuse, that they're making the right decisions and doing what they need to do, too. But it's hard to really say what the issue is or problem, the reason why we don't see that so much
1: for you being somebody that has that connection would you like to see some of that on the roster again i mean i know there's guys like stevie scott that came from cba and and they went on to indiana here recently john phillips and noah jordan williams from cba went on to boston college tyler days from cns went to Boston College at Steve Adazio when he was at Boston College uh, recruited Central and Upstate New York arguably better than anybody else and Mike Washington Jr at CNS right now had 17 offers he'll be going to the University at Buffalo would you like to see a connection again and I know you said that there's a lot of factors that go into it but if the talent is there and the ability is there would you like to see that connection like you got to have being somebody from Central and Upstate New York and then seeing those players grow up and play in Orange and Blue.
0: Well, I I would be wrong if I said no, but what I I will say is this. I would love to see more people from there just be successful and get a chance to go off to college and pursue their dreams. I would love to see that. But one of the things, knowing what it takes to to succeed in college and with all the things that are going on around you, a lot of times some of those those, uh, distractions or external factors that can cause you not to focus the way you should can come from being so close to not your past, but being so close to either family members or friends or what have you that can be pulling on you, whereas if you're away from home, you can focus a little better. I mean, I know that's probably not the crowd favorite answer, but in my mind, it's, it's a true answer because I know what it takes to, to really uh, focus and hone in on what you need to do at school because being a student athlete is a hard thing to do.
1: Coming from Will Allen of Corcoran Syracuse and NFL History here with us this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Will, for you, you got to be at Syracuse for a couple seasons. You were under Paul Pasqualoni, uh, one of my favorite coaches in Syracuse history. I finally got to catch up with him when he was coaching UConn uh, shortly after his time at Syracuse. What can you tell me about about Paul Pasqualoni and that staff and maybe what they meant to you or, or what Coach maybe still means to you knowing that he's obviously uh, kept – a lot of longevity in his career, and he's been able to work in college, in the NFL. He's been all over the place, all over the country. Uh, what can you tell me about being one of the players that came in in the Paul Pascaloni era at Syracuse? Uh,
0: Coach Pete holds a special place in my heart, man. Um, I really, really look up to the guy. You know, um, Coach is, is, is one of the first people to show me, like, what true dedication to football really is. Like, when I tell you that, so he was dedicated to football, man. I mean, like nobody I ever met. And um, you know, hindsight looking back at it, and even when he was tough on me, and I didn't agree with some of the things that he may have said, or you know how he went about trying to you know groom us, groom you into a uh, a productive young man. You know, um, hindsight looking back at it, I really, really appreciate it. And um, believe it or not, I had a chance to cross paths with him again um, when I, during my time in Miami, he was the defensive coordinator and. And, uh, you know, and he still had that same passion for the game. And I appreciate that, man. And I re- really, really look up to Coach Pete.
1: You know, when I look at your team, there's a lot of guys, uh, notable guys uh, with yourself included, that were on, you know, some of these rosters. I look back to 1999, and a lot of these guys have been on the show, uh, like Ian McIntosh and, and like, uh, in out- even outside of that, uh, with some of the guys that have been on here uh, some great, great stories to tell. Uh, you know, to the D Browns, to the Kyle Johnsons, the Nick Sedanos, uh, Pat Woodcock, who has been here with us, uh, Quentin Spotwood, David Tyree, as well as I mean, the list, the list goes on and on. When I'm looking at this, Mark Banowitz and Keith Bullock, Dwight Freeney. I mean, you you had some tremendous players that came through Syracuse, including yourself. What can you tell me about being in the locker room, being in practice, being on campus, being on the field with these guys when I look back at these names and a lot of these gentlemen I've, I've built really close relationships and bonds with over time and, and overall, I mean, these are, these are names that I have a tremendous respect for, having watched Syracuse since birth, pretty much. So what can you tell me about being a part of these rosters?
0: Well, number one, that's one heck of a list of guys you just named, man. All those guys are fantastic people first but um they were great friends and great athletes and um man you know sit here and think about you know some of the times i've had like in the locker room some of the laughters we had after games before games this you know a, a lot a lot of things are flashing through my head right now but um i have a lot of great memories you know there at syracuse and um hanging out and being around a bunch of those guys uh Like you said, they're they're fantastic players. Yes, we all know that. But more importantly, I think they're they're better people.
1: Yeah, you know, and and for you, when you go back to those times, what can you say when you think about those memories and and you think about, you know, everything that you went through, blood, sweat, and tears of, of playing college football? What are some of those memories that are top of mind? When I say, you know, 1999, when I say 2000 and and you know, what's what's the first thing? And I name off some of these these gentlemen that, that shared the field with you. What are some of the first things that come to your mind?
0: I don't think I can share those stories.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: think I can share those stories, but I can tell you they're funny. Okay. Um, and I can tell you they, they would appreciate it. But had we not been on there, maybe I would share some. Because one of the, the ones that popped in my head are probably some of the ones that I probably shouldn't share. But um, they, they, were, they, were, they were definitely memorable moments, though.
1: I mean, you're, you're somebody who out there as a cornerback for the team, you're able to uh, grab a couple of interceptions a season, and you're also there on kick and punt returns. What can you tell me about, you know, the importance of versatility, and even though we know you as a corner, the respect that you have for special teams? Because I, I never feel like special teams gets the, you know, what they deserve as far as the accolades and talking about them and, and really, uh, you know, putting them front and center, so... What can you say about not only being on the defensive side of the ball, but also, you know, getting your opportunity at special teams and kick and punt returns as well?
0: Well, I think I can tell you exactly what any coach would probably tell you is that the way to make a team is on special teams. You know, first and foremost, if you want to secure your spot on the team, you make sure you're able to play special teams and play it well, you know. And for the most part, special teams requires just 100% effort at all times, You know, and usually the guy that's giving the maximum amount of effort is going to win that particular down. But, um, I've always enjoyed playing special teams. You know, um, the one thing about a game, you know, getting hyped up or getting amped up to play a game, the first people that are on the field or that actually get a piece of the game or a taste of the game are guys that are on special teams. So you want to be on the field at that moment. You know, um... That's the first time you're going to feel after the Star speaker Banner and all that stuff. And they do all the singing and all that. And the crowds out there, it's the first time you're going to hear. I don't know. That that experience for me has always been a great one, you know, and which is why, you know, when it's time for the kickoff or, um, or the coin toss, I'm always rooting for, you know, uh, kickoff to be first. Because throughout my career, I was on a kickoff team most of the time. So that means I got a chance to get on the field first. But I think. The beautiful thing about special teams is if you're a good special team player, you're most likely going to make the
1: team. You know, the thing that's interesting is when we've looked at special teams over these last couple seasons, when they're talking about safety and whatnot, there has been the belief of you know, of some to maybe do away with kick returns or punt returns and this and that. And I said, if you do that, you know, you're taking, you're taking, you know, DBs off of teams. You're taking the fourth string wide receiver, fifth string wide receiver, or running back off of a team. I mean, a lot of people make their hay on special teams when when that argument came up what I mean obviously with you having so much respect for it I I can only imagine your reaction but to think that the game looked at even just for a second potentially looked at getting rid of of kickoffs or getting rid of punt returns what's your thought on that
0: you know what until you just said that just now I really didn't look at it like that I don't know why I didn't but it's true you know, uh, a lot of the fourth fourth string wide receiver, you know, that extra DB or two extra DBs that may make the team because of special teams, um, you know, the extra linebacker or two linebackers that may make the team because of special team, those guys be out of a job. Um, I always thought that was one of the most exciting parts of the game. You know, when we look back at history and they're showing all highlights and all that stuff, like huge kickoff returns are something that people, punt returns is some of the most fondest memories, you know, in football. You know, uh, in terms of big plays, you know, so I mean, it's going to be tough. I understand the reason or the thought process behind trying to minimize um, some of the injuries because, you know, it's a brutal sport and injuries come along with that. But uh, I understand the notion of trying to minimize it. and But I, I would hate to see them take that out of the game, though.
1: That coming from cornerback, alum, and special teams member Will Allen here with us this morning on Wake Up Call from Corcoran to Syracuse to the NFL. Will, when you finished up your time at Syracuse, you went into the NFL draft, and you were a first-round pick, 22nd overall in the 2001 NFL draft, picked up by the New York Giants. Bring me into that moment. Hindsight is 2020, and just thinking back, and it's hard to believe that that was 19 years ago and some change, but... You know, almost two decades ago, you hear your name in the first round on the first day of the draft, 22 overall. Bring me into that 2001 NFL draft.
0: Uh, leading up to that, it was nerve wracking, but it was a lot of hard work that went into that. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, sitting there waiting to hear you, to see your phone ring or to hear your phone ring and to know you got that call. Um, and when it finally did ring, you know, being just so excited um, for myself, for my family, um, just feeling great about what I've accomplished up to that point, and looking forward to such a bright future. I, I don't know that that day was an incredible day for me uh, and my family. I, I felt like, um, you know, that a lot of times people people look at you know being uncertain and where you want to go and all those things, but at the end of the day, they don't get a chance to you don't you don't sit back and just be grateful for just that moment, you know. Um, I want to thank you for right now. You, you put me in that moment that I had not been in in a while. But um, that day, I remember sitting there waiting, and I remember uh, receiving a few calls from from a couple of different teams. Um, but I, I remember like the most pressuring call was from uh, the New York, the New Orleans Saints, and they had the twenty third pick. And um, I thought I was possibly going to go to Buffalo at the 14th pick with Jacksonville at 11 or Buffalo at 14. And then Buffalo traded back to the 21st pick. And I remember when they got on the clock, I'm like, oh, this is my time. And then they selected Nate Clemens. And then um, after that, I think the Colts had this 22nd pick. And um, sitting there watching, I'm like, oh, so I guess I'm going to New Orleans, 23rd. And um, all of a sudden I seen trade come across the screen. And then my phone rang. And I believe it was Coach Fossil. You know, and um, I don't know. It was an incredible moment for me, man. Um, like I said, uh, I appreciate you bringing me back to it because I haven't, I haven't lived in that moment in a while, and, and, it, and it's pretty, it's pretty incredible.
1: That phone call. Do you remember what he said to you?
0: I remember saying something like, "Are you ready to be a giant?" And absolutely, coach. Can't wait to get started. <laughs> um. I just remember being just so excited, man, and happy and relieved um, because you know you all, you read every every kid that's been in that situation reads all of the the magazines and all the mock drafts and all that stuff, and that's exactly what it is. It's a mock draft, but it doesn't it doesn't always hold a hundred percent true, you know. And um, just hearing my name call and being relieved and being happy and. Just ready to just get to that next step, man, and and see what I can do, you know. Um, the one thing about it, I was a competitor and I like to compete. And uh, getting a chance to go and compete against the best is something that you always want to do because you're always measuring yourself, you know. and um, That was just an incredible time for me.
1: That coming from Will Allen here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Will, you sp- not only were you a first-round pick, but you spent at least a decade in the NFL – It's not easy to get drafted. It's not easy to get drafted in the first round. It's not easy to have longevity. As a rookie, you had four interceptions for the Giants in your first season. Looking back on all of that time, what can you tell me about your career as an NFL player to be a first-round pick, to have an immediate effect as a rookie, and then to go ahead and play at least a decade at the highest level of football in the world.
0: Well, I, I can tell you that I'm thankful. Um, and I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity. I'm, I'm, thankful that, you know, God gave me the skills to, to even, even have a chance or a glimpse to even see what that's like. You know, um, I'm just thankful, man. I'm grateful for it. I mean, part of me wants to say that, uh, I wish I'd done more, you know, um, and that's, that's just the competitor in me that just always wants to be better. Um, but I, I guess the funny thing is, is um, you know, I've had a lot of people that I've come across, you know, over the past few years that, you know, when they find out that you play football in the, in the NFL, you know, they all had all these questions. Oh, you just played football in the NFL. And I always make it a point when they do say, no, nah, I didn't just play. I, I started for a long time, you know. And, and and the reason I say that, and now now as talking to you now, like, you know, saying And you were asking me, what do I feel about my career? I think that that's probably one of the things that I'm most appreciative for is just being able to go out there and compete at the highest level and, you know, win. And when I say, like, win, I'm not talking about so much win games. But I'm talking about win at your position um, and amongst the guys that you're competing against. But I definitely would have loved to have done more. I'd have loved to have more interceptions. I'd have loved to win won a Super Bowl. I'd have loved to do all those things. But I'm 100% grateful for her the opportunity
1: and the time that I spent there. You know, and you look at it and you talk about how many starts. You had 130 starts. You started, you started almost every single game that you played in in the NFL, and there's multiple seasons where you started every game that you played in, you know, looking at 15-15 in 2002, then, you know, 12-12, 16-16, 16-16, 15-15, then two seasons, 16-16, then six of six in 2009. So I mean, we're I'm looking at all these games, and you know, like you said, when people say, "Oh, you played in the NFL," and they kind of just brush it off, like, "Oh, you're one of the thousands of people that played," and you're like, "Well, you know, I I played, but I also started. You know, I, I earned my keep, and and I got out there. You started almost every single game that you were available for. I right. mean, that that to me has has got to be something that you look back on finally, you know, fondly and appreciate. And know that, you know, hard work in that respect when you were playing does pay off.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, like I said, man, I'm appreciative and I'm grateful. And I'm proud of that. That's, that's to me, that's something to be proud proud of. Um, I just love the game, man. I don't really know what else to say besides that. I just love the game. And I hope, you know, the pandemic doesn't slow it down or something happens where we don't get a chance to, to see those guys play. I'm, I'm still a huge fan. I still love watching the games every, every week. Um, I'm just a fan, man. I, I, I love the game, man. I love the sport, and I'm just appreciative that I had a chance to play it as long as I did.
1: And we talk about wanting to play, you were a part of Syracuse when they were in the Big East. Syracuse has since jumped over to the ACC. And uh, two parts to this question. The first one, what do you think about the move to the ACC being a Big East player? And then secondly, your thoughts on the ACC coming out and saying, hey, we're not waiting for the NCAA. We're not waiting for anybody else. We're planning on having a season. Here's the parameters. We're going to have 11 games, one non-conference that each school gets to schedule on their own in their home state. But beyond that, they changed everybody's schedule. And so Syracuse and everybody else got a whole new schedule, five home games, five away games, all against ACC opponents. Number one, thoughts on the ACC move after being a Big East player. And number two, what are your thoughts on the ACC saying, we're expecting to have a season. We're going to push and hope the best for it. And at the same time, we're going to make this a basically, you know, an, an, an all-conference season, just beating up on each other and then have one game outside of the conference.
0: Well, um, my thoughts on, you know, Syracuse moving into the ACC, I, I, I want to say I really don't have many thoughts on that, you know, good or bad. I feel like that was probably the best decision for the the team at that time, and they, they went with it. So, I mean, I was cool with it. I'm just a Syracuse fan, so I'm going to root for them no matter what. Um, and it was good to see him play against you know some of those other teams that they got to play against. I mean, being in the ACC, you're playing against um, a lot of a lot of good teams. Biggies had good teams too, but um, there's a couple teams that you know as a kid growing up watching football, you know, watching the you know the Florida States and stuff like that. You know, it's just um it was exciting to see Syracuse play against play against those those guys. Um, uh, my thoughts on. You know, uh, the upcoming season and whether or not these guys play or the fact that they're going to play all ACC teams, I just want to watch football. So I, for me, I just want to watch them play. Yeah, um, It doesn't bother me any, either way. I, I just want to watch them play, and I'm, I'm so looking forward to the football season this year.
1: Notre Dame has long, been, long since been an independent. They are a member of the ACC. They made the move with Louisville as well as Pitt. In Syracuse to join the ACC, but they did it in all sports except for football. They have their NBC contract and they make 100% of the money when it comes to football. This season, they're joining the ACC temporarily, at least for now, and they're going to be eligible for the ACC championship game. They're going to be eligible for the Orange Bowl and on the other side of it to benefit the ACC and its other 14 member schools, including Syracuse. They're going to share their television revenue for their home games. Notre Dame is going to share that, that NBC money. What are your thoughts on seeing Notre Dame in a conference, even if it's just because of everything going on with coronavirus? And secondly, do you think that the ACC should capitalize on this moment and basically propose to Notre Dame and try and get them to say yes?
0: Look, man, that's a that's, that, that, that That has. <laughs> okay. That's. That's like way out of my pay range, <laughs> but um, no, I, I feel like you know Notre Dame's. I mean Notre Dame is Notre Dame, man. I mean it's the reason why you know you see them on TV every week. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I feel like you know, as long as all parties benefit from it, I, it is what it is. You know, I think whatever they do, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be in the best interest of all of them. So, and it Sir- is what it is.
1: To me, Syracuse will be. Playing them this season. Uh, Will final thing before we jump into rapid fire and flip the script and get you uh, the opportunity to grab the microphone and, and ask me four questions. I do want to take a look at the NFL as you are an alum of the NFL and also to social justice. Your thoughts on on Colin Kaepernick? I mean, four years ago, this man took a knee. Well, originally, he sat down, and then somebody in the military allegedly went up to him and said, "Hey, can you at least take a knee if you're not going to stand?" And, you know, that knee is in respect to the fallen soldiers and whatnot. And so Colin took a knee. Now, Colin said repeatedly, this is about police brutality and social injustice. It has nothing to do with the flag. He said it over and over and over again. Yet, the, the message got confused. Just like the telephone game, people heard what they wanted to hear, thought what they wanted to think, and thought, okay, well, if it's not about the flag, then why did he do it during the flag and this and that? That leads to him getting, and the NFL may say this, but... You know, we we all kind of know the truth here at this point that he got blackballed from the NFL. And for the last four years, he has been locked out, essentially. With everything going on and following George Floyd in eight minutes and 46 seconds that many of us watched, there was a different response by the NFL. And the NFL started saying, we're all about social justice and it's okay to take a knee. And then Roger Goodell was kind of... You know, felt maybe maybe guided in the direction of you know because he said all these things about social injustice, and then it was well. What do you think about Colin Kaepernick? And four years later, he says I think Colin's a great guy, and I think a team should look at him. What are your thoughts on this? Because to me, Colin Kaepernick was the sacrificial lamb of the NFL. What he did four years ago is coming full circle now, but what he did ended his career, and now it's okay to kneel. It's okay for owners and. Presidents and and CEOs and whatnot and head coaches to walk with their players, to kneel with their players. We're seeing it in all different sports. We're seeing it in the NHL and the MLS, the NBA. But when Colin did it, it wasn't okay to a lot of people. What are your thoughts on, on the last four years? I mean, essentially what happened to Colin Kaepernick and now the fact that we're seeing that what Colin did way back when is now what many of us are doing, but back then it wasn't okay to do, allegedly.
0: Well, I think things begin to change, or people begin to put more effort, or you know, stand up more, or make or become more vocal when they get tired. And I think, you know, uh, you know, people are just tired, man, just tired. And I feel like, I feel like, you know, um, it's just like if you just go back and look at history, you know, things are happening for a long time, and at some point, you know, people just get tired and. You know, and they take the next step. I think just the most important thing I feel like at this point is um, keep your foot on the gas. You know, keep your foot on the gas and, you know, keep pushing. You know, I mean, uh, the work's not done yet. And I feel like as long as, you know, we just keep a foot on the gas, keep pushing, you know, change is going to happen. I mean, change is inevitable anyway. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. But, I mean, at the rate at which it, which it happens, I feel like, you know, if we keep our foot on the gas, I feel like things have happened a little better. Um, like you said, over the last four years, you know, that's something that he did 40 years ago, and now guys are doing it. And I feel like sometimes the message gets lost because, you know, people want to see and believe whatever they want to believe. But um, I just – I don't know. I mean, I just feel like, you know, um, just got to keep your foot on the gas. You know, just keep pushing
1: the irony do you get a sense for this that 4 years ago Colin Kaepernick took a peaceful knee and 4 years later a video of of a police officer kneeling on the neck of a man from the black community for 8 minutes and 46 seconds that ends up changing everything so a knee 4 years ago a peaceful knee 4 years ago and then a very vicious and hateful knee knee 4 years later to put those two things next to each other and know that they both are representing, you know, injustice. Colin speaking out against it, and then the knee by the police officer obviously showing that injustice. When you look at those side by side, how eerie or ironic is that for you? They're both the same motion, but one was to try and create change, and the other one obviously was out of hate.
0: Um, I mean, you said it. You know um the ironic I mean it's, it's pretty ironic but I mean that that situation sucks all the way around man I, it sucks you know and as much as I don't I don't even like the visual in my head you know like I mean I watch it yeah. um, I don't know man I just it's a hard subject to talk about for real. To, to keep it to keep it one hundred, or, or, or tell you the truth, it's a hard subject to really talk about. Um, it's just incredible. It's just crazy. I just I just mainly I just don't understand how somebody can do that. But I mean, it's a hard
1: subject for me to talk about. Uh, you know, I think. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about it too, and it makes me sick to my stomach. And I think yeah. that if it doesn't make you sick to your stomach, then I, I would challenge what you know what you've done with your life up to this point but you know the hope at, at, at this point in this moment is that you know there will be a better tomorrow and that over 400 years of going in the wrong direction we can finally turn in the right direction and i think i think we can all agree will that it's time to it's it's well past time, it's past to, time. Yeah, to turn it's past in the right time. direction right it's
0: past time um it's past time but i think the. Uh the, the positive person to me, or, or whatever, I, I want to believe that it's going to change. I want to believe that things are going to be better. I want to believe that you know that my kids or my grandkids are going to going to see a different different world than what I've seen and what my parents have seen and my grandparents have seen. You know, just like I'm seeing somewhat of a different, but some of the things are still popping back up. Um, but I want to believe that things are going to change. Things are going to be better. That's what I. That's what I choose to believe. Um, but like I said, to 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 think about those things because it's because it was pretty visual, you know. You're able to see it most of the time. You hear about these things, you don't get a chance to see it. Yeah, you know, being able to see that, and I don't know, man. It's it's, it's it's a tough thing to talk about. It's a tough thing to it's a tough thing to talk about.
1: That coming here this morning from Will Allen Corcoran, Syracuse, and in NFL history, Will, it is now an opportunity that I get to give to you that I feel that. You've probably never had, which and and definitely not, you know, when you were playing, for sure, is to flip the script, hand you the microphone, put me on the podium, so to speak. So you have any four questions? They could be sports related. They could be about anything outside of sports. It's up to you. But I now hand you the microphone. Will you can ask me any four questions whenever you're ready. Uh, I don't got no questions for you, man. You got none.
0: Nah, I don't got one question. I think one right now. I don't, really, I don't, I don't know. It
1: that's could be. Tough. It could be legitimately anything.
0: Man, that's tough, man. I really, I, I really don't shoot. I don't know. You put what, what sports have you played?
1: Uh, growing up, I played uh, baseball, little league. I played basketball uh, the majority of my time growing up, and I played pickup football. But a lot of my time was with basketball.
0: Okay, so since a lot of time your time with basketball, so I'm actually a straight up question: Were you were you decent or no? Did you get picked when they when they had to pick the, the starting team? Did you get picked? Not the starting team for high school, but like you went to the park and they pick up basketball.
1: Did you get picked <laughs> for basketball? Well, I had an opportunity to to go D three and play, and okay, I was. Then you
0: was you was you was decent then, man. You were
1: good. Well, my thing. Right. Listen, God given talent was to be able to shoot from anywhere. Well, I mean, I could. I got a good outside shot. I would like to hope and think and believe that. And then I worked on it and got farther and farther with that. And then conditioning was was obviously yeah, definitely on me. But to this day, I love the sport. I love playing. I will never forget my grandmother called her G-Mama. Never forget her. She put a, a hoop in the driveway for me. And she had a long driveway. And every time I would hit a deep shot, she'd be looking out the window in between the blinds. And she'd motion her hand to tell me to go back a little bit farther. And I'd be like halfway down the driveway, three quarters away, and she's like, "You can make it, shoot it." And I just, you know, I, I got into that, and so I am known to go into the gym. And, you want me to
0: believe? You want me to believe that you was shooting all the way across the street and it was going in? That's what you
1: want me to believe. <laughs> no, I want I want you to believe that I was well down. <laughs> I was I was well down the driveway, and I do take half court shots, and I do have witnesses that have seen me make more than. Here, 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 here's, here,
0: here's the operative operative question, right? Yes.
1: Right? How long is the driveway? Oh man, I'd have to measure that, but the driveway was probably no, I'm saying
0: the, the driveway could have been a short driveway. It could have been one of those short driveways.
1: Now, like, I s- I don't know. the driveway is probably the equivalent of taking uh, maybe a little bit more than a half court shot.
0: Okay, then then you get some kudos for that.
1: Well, thank you, Will. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, what are you, what are your last two for me? But um, no,
0: I don't have I don't have any questions, man. That's that's it. Man. I don't have any.
1: All right, so you got two basketball ones. I get off easy today because Will only had two for me. Uh, Will, you know, I know it's the first time that you and I have spoken here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, but I want to thank you for your time, and I want to thank you for, uh, you know, agreeing to, to to you know, be a part of the show today. And I look forward to the opportunity. If you'd like to come back, I'd, uh, I'd very much appreciate and open the door to having you back on the show. Perfect, man. Thanks for having me. All right, Alyssa, take care of yourself and the family. Please give my best to your son, and hopefully things will uh, continue to get better and go well and stay safe, okay? All right, brother. Take care.